best way to start your day. Good morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing Good evening, everybody. It's Jim Nasano here on College Hoops Chat. Weekly radio show here on WVOX 1460 AM, my favorite radio station. We're happy to be here every Monday night at 8 p.m. to talk about the great sport of college basketball. Now, there's a lot going on. There's a whole lot going on right now in college basketball mostly related to COVID-19. The coronavirus is causing havoc across college basketball. And unfortunately, if you haven't heard yet, I'm going to have to share the bad news with you that it impacted our local home team, Iona College Gales. Last week, a message went up on the internet, social media, that the Iona College Gales were shutting down practices for two weeks because a staff member got COVID. Now, that seems harsh, right? A lot of people feel that that's harsh. Um, It comes from an NCAA protocol that if a player, coach, or staff member gets COVID and they interact with the other branches, so you have the players, coaches, Staff, if anybody from those three groups interact with each other and they get COVID, the team has to shut down for two weeks. So Iona is in a shutdown, and they're not alone. Uh, 30 teams across the country are also shut down for the exact same reason. So the NCAA protocol is troubling. It's much stricter than, say, college football or college basketball. Um, Other sports are handling it differently. Uh, They allow testing to be a big part of the decision on whether a team practices or doesn't or plays or doesn't. NCAA is very strict right now. I think that protocol probably has got to change because I don't think it's public health based. Uh, But we'll see what happens from the NCAA. Unfortunately for Iona, here's the bad news. Uh, Their first four games are now canceled. They were playing Fordham uh, next Wednesday night, canceled. Uh, that following weekend, they were playing three games, all very important games, good, challenging teams. They were going to play up at Mohican Sun, canceled. Uh, and now Iona College, first game, opening game now, is going to be December 5th against Wagner uh, at home in New Rochelle. And then the following game will be December 11th at home and December 12th at home, Monmouth College. It's also going to be conference games, MAC conference games. So that's their first three games now for Iona, December 5th, 11th, and 12th. This is not good for Iona, folks. Um, this is a brand new team with a brand new coach. No players ever played before in Rick Pitino's system. And now they're shut down for two weeks. So um, I'm troubled by that. We're all troubled by that. We're bummed out by it. Um, Iona will get through this, but this was a team that really needed to stay on the floor, keep practicing because it was so brand new with a new coach and new players. So this is a step back for Iona, but they'll fight their way through it, and Iona will do fine.
They have one of the greatest coaches, Rick Pitino, in the history of the sport. He knows what he's doing. Uh, players can practice by themselves now. Uh, they can do Zoom meetings. So they're still doing things, Iona College, just not practicing as a team. And the first four games got canceled. That's really the big blow. They needed those games. They need to play like a team. They need to be on the court and work through the Rick Pitino system and learn it better by playing actual games. And now the first four games are canceled. All right. Our guest tonight is going to be Kenny from Rye. Kenny from Rye, who is our number one caller. Uh, many of you have heard Kenny from Rye. He's going to be the guest tonight. He's been a great asset to the show. His name is Ken Nixon. We grew up together from third grade. He's a college basketball fanatic as I am. And Kenny will be calling in. We're going to talk about a couple different subjects. St. John's fans. If you're a St. John's fan out there, I am a St. John's fan. Uh, they're going to be live, live streaming practice tomorrow, Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. I think you have to go to their website, uh, check on Twitter. That's where I saw it. But St. John's, you can watch a live stream of a practice tomorrow. Iona has a great coach, Mike Anderson. Uh, some really great work being done with the excellent coaching staff. Some big recruits coming in for St. John's. We'll talk about St. John's a lot on this show. I'm not only a fan, but I'm impressed with the coach. Uh, and the team and the direction they're heading in. I think they're going to have a real, really good season, better than being predicted right now. I think St. John's is going to be an NCAA tournament team. And uh, people are saying they might be on the bubble. I think they're going to make the tournament. You heard the prediction here, folks. You can hold me to it if I'm not right. Um, but uh, tomorrow you can watch St. John's. Uh, so... Uh, we have, uh, I think the call is coming in right now. This is Kenny from Rye. Uh, so we'll get to that phone call right now. And uh, uh, good evening. Is this Kenny from Rye? James, how we doing? Hello, number one caller. How are you? Good, good. How are we doing this evening? Good. So I just went through, I don't know if you got a chance to hear about the Iona College shutdown for two weeks. Uh, they lost four games. That's a big blow. A brand new team with a brand new system and a brand new coach. They needed to play games. Some of those games they were playing against Fordham and Atlantic uh, 10 team. They were playing some real good teams like Vermont and Buffalo. Uh, real bummer that Iona got shut down for two weeks because of coronavirus. Well, I mean, the carryover also is not only just for Iona, but also the other teams that, that, that scheduled Iona for them. So obviously their side, whether their team is in quarantine or not, it doesn't sound like they are. most of them aren't. But that it trickles down to them as well. So you have a you have a crescendo here that, that I don't know where it stops, and you know that's and that's one of the problems I think going forward with the season and the challenge around it. If you had these, as they say, bubble games, one being in Mohegan Sun, and one team doesn't show up, do the other teams are they able to adjust and, and then and then move from there? And I think that's really the, a big question. It's very very difficult when you have uh, when you and when you bank on. I guess let's call it kind of tournament-type uh, scenarios like at Mohegan Sun. Well, it's funny you say that, Ken. I saw a post today on Twitter that the Mohegan Sun uh, tournament, the people running it, have gone, uh, tried to make a schedule several times, but they got to keep changing the schedule because teams are dropping out either travel-related problems or COVID-related problems. University of Vermont, uh, Iona never would have been able to play. They shut down for uh, uh, two weeks, too. They're going to start their program back up again in December. So there's a, you know, COVID is doing a lot of damage to college basketball right now. The good news is the entire sport is still committed to going forward, except the Ivy League, who's decided not to play. But the rest of the sport is committed. Games are going to happen. It's just going to be a very rocky road, Ken. 
Uh, I don't know how many team games all the teams are going to play, but not all the teams are going to play the same amount of games. We've got a lot of question marks down the road for college basketball across the country. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, once, and I don't know of any college that's bringing anybody back to campus after the Thanksgiving Day holidays. So come next Tuesday or Wednesday when most of the camp- campuses around the country will be empty, that in, in, in effect creates kind of that bubble environment. Um, my son goes to Northwestern, and currently that, that is how the campus functions. They're remote only. The only people that are on campus are the athletes who are on the football team and the basketball teams getting ready, and they haven't had a problem. So I think that's going to be repeated come, you know, after Thanksgiving. Again, when you have this situation of a bubble-like campus environment, you can stabilize things, control the environment, begin the practicing, and then hopefully move forward from there. All right, Ken, good lead into the next segment. Uh, And I'm going to say, so because of this situation Kenny and I are discussing, that it's becoming a bit of a mess across the country, uh, it looks like it's going to be a fractured season. A lot of teams will miss games. Teams currently, there's about 30 teams across the country shut down right now, dealing with contact tracing. Some teams are going to miss games. Uh, Because of all that, big announcement today from the NCAA. The NCAA has said that all games this year for the NCAA tournament, the big dance, are going to be played in one single geographic area and that they are in current negotiations with the city of Indiana. uh, I'm sorry, uh, city of Indianapolis, uh, in Indiana, um, and there, uh, that's probably going to be it. Uh, that's where the NCAA is located. That's where the Final Four was was scheduled to be this year. Um, so they believe that um, they'll. It's not all the games are going to happen in Indianapolis. It's going to be in the Indianapolis area, the geographic area of Indianapolis. They believe this way they can limit travel. They could uh, keep teams in one hotel, minimize the risk. That's the whole goal. Minimize the risk. It's not a bubble, per se, but they're calling it a controlled environment. And the only other issue I pop out there, Ken, is that they may even push the tournament back to April to give teams more time to play games uh, so they have a better idea of who's who's good enough to qualify for the NCAA tournament. If a team only plays 10 games, it's kind of hard uh, to con- kind of re- review them Uh, whether they're a team that should make the tournament if they don't win their conference. What do you think, Ken? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting reading the article. There's just a few of them out there right now. Obviously, it's being thrown out there, I think, to some extent. And, you know, in reading some of the details, they're going to need eight courts for games and then obviously numerous other ones for practice. You know, I'm not particularly uh, familiar with the Indianapolis region per se, except for what I've read. And I guess from a game perspective, that is possible. From a perspective of practice, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, we saw what happened in baseball when they kind of had, uh, I guess you'd say, multiple, um, I guess you'd say, quarantine areas, and then they came together for the finals. And that seemed to work pretty well. So I don't know if that may be an option as well. So you start out with the 64, break them in half, have four regions, break them down to two, break them down to one. Uh, you know, it, it, it's still up in the air. It seems like very much so from the articles I've read. But from a perspective of what, you see or know from Indianapolis, obviously, and in, in it's, it, it's, it's history with the NCAA, particularly with the NCAA basketball, uh, it, it probably makes the most sense from a standpoint of logistics and the, the, the knowledge of the city and what they can and cannot manage. But I think it will be interesting to see over the course of the next coming weeks. But as you say, probably logically making it and pushing it back to April makes the most sense. That's true. I agree. And I noticed uh, I listened to a podcast after we spoke to prepare for the show today, Ken. 
and they mentioned that schools like Butler and Indiana State are drivable from uh, Indianapolis, so that will be uh, one option for playing games. Um, all right, so the next point I want to make is why is everybody jumping through hoops? Now, we all love college basketball, and we want the games we played, but there is an element Ken and I are going to discuss. We talked about it earlier today. Show me the money. The NCAA tournament generates close to $1 billion. I'm not kidding. $1 billion in economic activity in the United States. There is no way uh, the NCAA can forego those kind of revenues two years in a row. All right. Last year, of course, they had to shut down the tournament. The pandemic just started hitting in March. Um, so it is a show me the money element to this. Uh, the NCAA sends, here's the number, folks. $600 million back to the conferences to share with all the colleges. Now, what's going on on college campuses, both uh, big-time big schools to play football and basketball, and even schools that just play basketball, they rely on these monies that come from the cable contracts and the NCAA. Uh, it's so much money coming into the athletic program. It's be, Some schools, it spills over just to the general budget. I mean, a school like Alabama makes $100 million just on football. Um, there's a ton of money generated to colleges right now, which pay for the athletic program from the two sports of football and basketball. Um, everyone agrees that they can't shut down the NCAA tournament again. These schools cannot go two years in a row without all those revenues from the cable contract and from uh, the NCAA tournament. So I think we can be pretty sure there's going to be an NCAA tournament, how it's going to look, how we're going to get there is a big question. And one other point, Ken, I want to put out there is uh, this year, believe it or not, if a team only plays 13 games, that would qualify them to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, normally a team has to play like 30 games. Uh, it, they, the recommended is 25, 26. A lot of teams aren't going to hit that. All they got to do is play 13 games, which is really not a great representation when you're trying to pick the teams for the tournament. Yeah, and, and, and as you said, the, the, we go back to the money here. And obviously from a perspective of, you know, as you mentioned very clearly, Alabama, it, it doesn't mean as much per se. It surely has an impact. But from a perspective of the Tier 2 and Tier 3 teams that do make it in the smaller divisions, such as Iona's division or such as the A-10 that don't have the enormous TV contract, it's enormously beneficial for them to get one, two, or even possibly three teams in. So, as you say, I, I think we're, we're going to see this tournament in some sort of fashion. I think they also realize that the United States is starving for it. We've seen the ratings in, in other sports, whether it be golf or football, and, you know, skyrocket through, uh, you know, through, the, through the numbers. And I think that will be the case for college basketball as well. I mean, people are going to look for outlets, and hopefully the spring will bring you know, better news. And, and I think that, that's important to see as well. So you're right. The money is there. The money is extremely necessary for numerous schools. And the fact is that they passed on it last year. They cannot pass on it this year. The budgets don't allow for it. And I think we're, we're going to see this thing one way or another, whether it's in March or April. Um, but I do agree with you. The, the amount of games is a little nerve-wracking. Nerve it's 13 games. I mean, that, that's almost a pre-conference schedule of a warm-up. And I'm sure the coaches are a little bit nervous about injuries, et cetera. And if you spread out where you're taking two weeks off, that's going to get more and more difficult. So hopefully they'll come to a point where there's – some organization or some uh, way around the fact that they can get into these quote-unquote bubbles post-Thanksgiving, uh, get the team healthy, and then begin these games and get a number of them um, played before they have to get into the conference schedule because I think that is extremely important. And it's impossible, as you say, 
for teams in the second and third uh, third tier that you know, you know want to get into the NCAs have any sort of real idea of who and what they are um, after 13 games. All right, so let's change subjects. All right, so let's talk about a conference. And by the way, if there is a conference in America that's impacted by what's going on right now, it's the Atlantic 10. And why do I say that, Ken? The Atlantic 10 conference is not a Power 6 conference. There's Power 6 conference in college basketball. There's six of them that are at the top. But it's probably 7, 8, 9. It's one of those conferences just outside the Power Conferences. And they need to play games to show the NCAA Selection Committee that they're good enough for the NCAA Tournament. They're not playing in the Power Conferences. They don't don't get a lot of games against the top teams. They play them early in the season in some of these tournaments. Uh, they play them in, in, in buy games. But it's a bummer for the Atlantic 10 that they lost so many games in the preseason here because that's where they kind of show off. Last year, we saw that with Dayton, right? Dayton was a powerhouse last year. Uh, I think they were 29-2, and two, if I can remember. 29-2. and two. Uh, And any team they played in the Power 5 conferences, they were winning. Uh, and Dayton really got on the map, moved up in the ranking. They were going to be a top seed last year in the NCAA tournament. But there were three or four teams last year in the Atlantic 10 that were bubble teams. Um, and I think had they had the tournament, a few of them were going. Uh, but it's going to be tougher this year when you don't have a lot of games to show off playing a, a, a conference like Atlantic 10, playing a better conference like, say, the Big East. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've done some work on this division. And obviously this is a, a, a typical division that you mentioned. First and foremost, they don't have a major network contract. I think one of the things that – and reflecting back to Big East 2.0 was that made them go forward and have the confidence to do so was they had the Fox contract. So that they are the featured college basketball program on the premium times for Fox. And then they roll some of them over from FS1 and FS2 into the Fox network on Saturday or Sunday, you know, on your local Fox broadcasting station. So that's an enormous benefit and obviously was an enormous uh, jolt for the new, uh, I guess, the Big East 2.0. The Atlantic 10 doesn't have that. It has, I guess, what they refer to now as ESPN Plus, which is a paid service, which, you know, again, the new generation that's very used to watching uh, things on their computers where you have to go to do so. And I think that holds back the division, you know, now and going forward. And so, as you say, that is in that secondary, that secondary divisions, but with great teams and teams with great histories as well. And looking at this, as I say, from what we saw last year, unfortunately for myself, not having, not having the tournaments and not having the March Madness, I didn't get a chance to see some of these schools because I effectively didn't have ESPN Plus at that point in time to dial in and, and look at some of the better schools, except for Dayton that we saw, obviously, in the highlight film all, over and over. But this year, you know, we, we're coming back to, you know, with, with, a, with a strong, strong group that's coming back to schools that are returning almost four and five of their starters. It seems like in the preseason polls, we go back and forth between Richmond and St. Louis. Richmond has obviously got, you know, they've got four returning seniors coming back, uh, which is enormously helpful, obviously, as you mentioned, in the shortened season, so that continuity is there. St. Louis, basically everybody who matters is returning, um, so they are also, you know, queued up to be a strong team as well. We get Dayton, Duquesne, and some say St. Bonaventure is your, obviously your school. We could talk to them in more detail. They're, they've been ranked from anywhere from, in the A-10 from 2 to two to 5. So it'll be interesting to see some of these schools going forward. And, you know, obviously what your favorite, one of your favorite teams, St. Bonnie's, is doing uh, in, 20, uh, in this 2020-2021 season. All right, so let's talk. So for people who are listening, I'm not sure who the heck's in the Atlantic 
10. Let me read the team. So I'm going to read Three Man Weave is an excellent uh, website if anybody wants to follow college basketball. Three Man Weave. Here's their predicted standing, so I'll go down. Richmond, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, Dayton, VCU, Duquesne, Rhode Island, Davidson, UMass, George Washington, George Mason, LaSalle, St. Joseph, Fordham. Uh, that is the teams. And as Kenny properly said, there's a lot of teams here with a great tradition. Uh, Kenny mentioned where I went to college, St. Bonaventure. Uh, in the early 70s, they went to the Final Four. And in 1977, they won the NIT. I mean, that's a pretty impressive for a small school. University of Dayton last year was 29-2. and They were in the top 10 in the nation. Obi Toppin, their best player, is going to be drafted next week in the first 10 picks, maybe first five of the NBA draft. You've got a school like uh, Davidson, right, who had the superstar player on the Golden State Warriors now, right? Um, uh, Curry uh, was a star at Davidson, and then he was a star at the Golden State Warriors and an NBA champion. He went to Davidson. Got a school like George Mason that shocked the world a few years back, I mean, maybe about five to ten years back, where they, out of nowhere, made the Final Four. Uh, schools like St. Joseph's that had some terrific teams over the years. Um, but then we come to Fordham, Ken. We come to Fordham. Here they are, our other local Division I team close to New Rochelle, close to the studio here. Fordham's picked in almost every review I looked at on the Atlantic 10 as 14th place out of 14. It's a shame the Fordham program isn't doing better. And, and we have to be kind here because we know your boss is the Fordham alumni there, uh, um, Mr. Latimer. And so that, yes, unfortunately, they are at, at the bottom again. And, you know, and we've seen this over the last few years. And I was looking up their gym, which I remember fondly from my days of swimming down there. And I think we used to do sprints in the Rose Hill gym, which is now the oldest in Division One college basketball. It was built in 1925. And besides... Uh, shining the floors and um, freshening up the stands has not seen too much, too many changes. So they are in a position that they're fighting in a division that continues to see better and better teams and better and better facilities. If you look at St. Louis's, which is probably you know the best arena in the group, uh, it seats you know anywhere from you know ten to ten to twelve thousand people. It has two practice gyms attached. It has a volleyball stadium. And it is the jewel of St. Louis from a perspective of not only from the college perspective, but it hosts numerous other events. And in that arms race that you have, you take St. Louis at the top, maybe Dayton because of the size of their arena, um, and then you get all the way down to back down to Fordham, and they go about trying to sell that arena. It has some attraction, I guess, for certain, but for the most part, it does not. It's not just about the arena; it's the facilities attached to the arena, and they're just in an arms race that they're not competing fairly with. Absolutely. You know, Ken, years ago uh, when I was an attorney, I'll say this quick. We're gonna, can you stay after the commercial break, Ken? Surely. All right, so I'll just tell you quick. I was sent to Dayton on business, and I was driving to my business as an attorney. I was driving by Dayton, the University of Dayton, I saw the basketball arena. It's like a giant arena. It just sits there in the middle. You know, it's very flat out in Dayton. And you're driving along the road, all of a sudden you see these giant basketball arena. It's Kenny, it's like an ACC Big Ten basketball arena. That's what Fordham's competing against, a school with that kind of arena. It's interesting because, you know, a cup, that Dayton itself and St. Louis uh, has, uh, have been rumored as teams possibly 
rounding out to bring to an even number of 12 in the Big East. So we'll have to see how that goes. But you're right. They are premier programs, premier arenas as well. All right, Ken, we're going to go to commercial break, folks. Come back for the second half of the show. I want to talk a little more about Atlantic 10. Then we'll open up the phones for calls. I'm Jim Misano. This is College Hoops Chat. Dennis and Tawny, and Good Morning Westchester. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we're back. Jim Misano here on College Hoops Chat on WVOX 1460 AM. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have Kenny from Rye, our number one caller on the phone. Ken, you still there? I am. All right, so let's jump into where I attended college, St. Bonaventure University. Matter of fact, Ken, our, our caller and I hung out together in high school. We had a third friend, P.J. McGarry, that went to St. Bonaventure as well. So let's talk a little about the Bonnies. The uh, last year, they had a really solid season of 19 and 12. Uh, very good record. And um, they very they have a great coach. That's what I wanted to say. They just have a great coach. Mark Schmidt came into St. Bonaventure when the team was in disarray. There was a scandal. He's turned around the program. Ken, here's a stat I picked up preparing for the show. St. Bonaventure has won 18 games for each of the last seven seasons. Now, for a school of 2,000 students that plays in a tough conference like the Atlantic 10, winning 18 games in seven seasons in a row is quite an accomplishment, don't you think? Not only that, from a perspective of reflecting back to Fordham, it's, it's, a, it's a great compliment to him, uh, and it's, it's really amazing that he hasn't been poached uh, by a competitor in a, in a bigger league is that they've been to the NCAAs in 2012, 2018. They should have been there in 2016. And they are, and you know this firsthand, they are dealing with an arena that is at the bottom from a standpoint of size-wise. And so uh, not only the effect of, obviously, where they are in upstate New York and the weather up there, but from a perspective of they're, they're not dealing with an arena that's much bigger than Fordham. So while we talk about the arms race, it all comes down to, the, you know, as we know, the coach and the commitment from the AD and the school itself. And St. Bonaventure since that, you know, that problem they had back in uh, 2003 and bringing in Schmidt uh, in 2007 have done an incredible job. I, like you, I've done some research on them. They're not a team that's on TV too much, but from a perspective, when you go back and look at what he's done since he's been there from the standpoint of the people that he brings in, the creativity around recruiting, looking for transfers, looking for others, uh, it's just been amazing. I mean, you're talking two and possibly a third birth into the NCAs and what, what, what they're talking about this year, he's got a very good chance of going back as well. So let me give you a comparison, Ken, having lived through this, okay? Uh, the last two years, I went to the St. Bonaventure game at Fordham. 
And both games, St. Bonaventure won. One game was a blowout game. One was close. But what was really disappointing to my buddy who went with me, who was a Fordham graduate, and it's kind of incredible to say this to you, Ken, there were more St. Bonaventure fans in the Fordham gym than Fordham fans on a home court Atlantic 10 game. Now, let me tell you something about St. Bonaventure. Having gone to the school, uh, it is one of the great home court advantages in the country. It's As you said, it's a smaller gym. Every seat is sold out, and the people scream for the entire game. A little like Duke, Ken. A little bit like Duke with the, with the uh, Cameron Crazies. Uh, St. Bonaventure has a massive home court advantage. Paul Fordham has a game, and the other team shows up with more fans. It's awfully hard for those kids to play under those circumstances. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, Fordham is obviously in New York, which is a good and a bad. It's good because obviously from perspective of recruiting to, to, to New York and the, and the stage that they have, but at the same time, they're also drowned out by St. John's from a college basketball perspective, even Rutgers on the di- in a slight distance, but you have also had the Knicks, the Nets, and everything else that's going on around them. So it doesn't help, but when you lose consistently, it starts to feed on itself. As you mentioned, St. Bonnie is, I'm sure, struggled during those periods of time when they were, you know, from a perspective of struggling during that 2003 season and beyond when they had those problems. But now success begets success. So Schmidt has built a program that has now created, as you say, an environment where it's an incredible home, home court advantage. And there's no reason why, you know, some tweaks around the edges, the Fordham couldn't do the same. But we'll have to wait and see. But as you say, Bonnie's has a, a, a religious following. But they've always had that. I mean, sure. they, they go back into the 70s as well. Yeah, Ken, I guess. So we have an announcement to make from our another guy from our class. Jimmy Mitch Mitchell just texted me to, to let you all know that Mark Schmidt is a Boston College graduate who was in his class, class of 1985. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate the text. He is a great coach. Um, and I hope he doesn't go to BC if they ever need a coach, Mitch. We, we got to keep him at St. Bonaventure. All right, Ken, uh, some of the schools that are at the top of the Atlantic 10, Richmond, I've seen Richmond play a few times the last couple of years. Uh, they've come a long way. You have a couple of players that are being mentioned to be on the all-conference team. Uh, one of the per- people I've seen play was Jacob Gilliard. That's a name to watch. Uh, I'll tell you who's a great player. If anybody's seen, If you haven't seen him play, University of Massachusetts, great history. Who played there, Ken? Dr. J, University of Massachusetts. Trey Mitchell on UMass. Now, UMass is in the, picked in the middle of the pack for Atlantic 10, but Trey Mitchell's one of the best players in the conference. That's a guy to watch. And the other two teams I would keep an eye on, besides St. Bonaventure and Richmond, say, as Kenny was talking about, St. Louis is a very strong team. They're a potential NCAA tournament team. And, of course, Dayton is still really good, even though they lost their best player. Uh, they had a really terrific player named Jalen Crutcher, who's back this year. The whole bunch of teams... Uh, they're going to make some noise. VCU's always good. Duquesne's always good. Any team you want to point out, Ken? Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting doing a little bit of research on this whole situation. Yeah, and, and it's going back to the point that you make. If we get into a situation where there's 13 to 15 games, you've got to look at continuity. You've got to look at returning players because they're obviously going to know the system. They're going to know the coach, the expectations, and understand the program. So that you look at from a perspective of Richmond, which has you know, it's basically all five seniors returning from last year. And so that's obviously going to matter enormously. I know they talk about uh, Mooney's system that he runs there. It's extremely complicated and obviously did well last year. They expect that to continue this year. So I really look for them 
to be some someone to be interesting to watch. They've had some great uh, history in the past. Um, the one thing that's a little bit of a negative, though, as you mentioned about from a perspective of some of these canceled games, they had a game against Kentucky scheduled for uh, November 29th. I don't know if it'll be on. I guess we, it is still somewhat up in the, up in the air. But obviously, those type of situations, those type, those type of games, are so beneficial for the A10. It's you know, it's incredible. It can't go, you can't go unnoticed. And then I think you guys, you say, again, same, same situation. St. Louis again, a lot of returning people. Um, again, a coach that, that's been there, I, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the coach there, Travis Port. I think he's done a good job. He's, he's kind of in some difficult situations prior to that, but the continuity, the solid shooting, are enormous. And I think from a perspective of what, what they have on the schedule prior to the A10 season, it could also help them as well. No, I agree. So let me also point out that my St. Bonaventure Bonnies have all five starters back too. And not only that, Ken, but nobody is a senior. So this group of five that's going to start this year uh, for the second consecutive years will be around for next year too. So St. Bonaventure is looking at a good run over the next two years. Uh, all right, Ken, so let's wind down here. Who's your pick? Who's going to win the Atlantic 10 this year? Just from the research I have, and obviously from looking back at the season last year, from what they had, I think Richmond seems to come out to be the consensus from a perspective of not only their five seniors are returning, but also the system they run. I, I, it's interesting looking at some of the clips and what they call four out, one in, that he runs, four guards, all can shoot, all can handle the ball. I like that idea. I think if they get off to a good good start in the preseason playing Kentucky and they are competitive, if not even more so, uh, I think they are the team to beat in the a All right, you know who I'm going to pick, Ken? It's going to be the St. Ben Fon of Bonnies and they're returning starting five with a great coach. Uh, but I'll tell you the team that worries me a lot about – my thoughts of St. Bonnie's uh, winning the Atlantic 10 this year. St. Louis, they have a lot of talent on that team, a lot of people back from last year. Uh, that's a team that I think could win uh, just as much as I think Richmond could win and St. Bonaventure. And, of course, you never count out Dayton. Absolutely. St. Louis, in some of the polls that I, I've seen in some of the various preseason polls, and, again, I don't know how much they're worth, but, again, because it's looking at last year's results, uh, it's St. Louis is number one in a couple of them as well. You know, you have, as I mentioned, St. Bonnie's has gone from two to two to four, two to five. At St. Louis, has been anywhere between one and three. So I agree with you. And I think, um, you know, what they've done. And, and again, I go back to the coach. Travis Ford has done a good job. He did an excellent job at UMass. He was actually under consideration for the Providence job for a period of time. Went down to one of the bigger bigger schools down there. It didn't work out for him. And I think he's seen a rebound here. And then, as you say, go back to St. Louis's facilities. And the type of people they can recruit with what they have, it, it makes the people they have on that team a formidable uh, uh, opponent. I would say that, um, in conclusion, uh, Atlantic 10 is an exciting conference, a lot of good programs, a lot of teams that are going to be in the mix this year for the NCAA tournament. If you see a game on with the uh, Atlantic 10, you should turn it on. Some of these teams we mentioned, like Richmond, St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, Dayton, even VCU and Duquesne. There's some terrific basketball teams that could really play even in a higher conference of that good. Yeah, and for your, for your viewers out there, and you mentioned it before, where to view some of these games, <clears throat> ESPN Plus, which we know is a subscription service, but that is where the A-10's um, contract is. So it basically they are streaming, if you want to use the term, all of the A-10's games from during the week and the weekend as well. So it's important to look at those games earlier. And obviously, if you're a fan, not only of St. Bonaventure's or Richmond or in, in Fordham as well, you can see those games on ESPN Plus, and it's, it's obviously worthwhile to sign up. I agree. Well, Ken, let me just tell you, 
Uh, you've become the new Joe Beningo of this uh, radio station. If you remember, Joe Beningo was a caller into the fan and ended up having his own show. Here you are. You started calling and now you're a special guest. Ken, there's no limit for you in your radio career. Exactly. I'm looking forward. Maybe I'll morph like Joe did into the overnight shift and work the 12 to 3 shift and, and speak about just sports in general for the four or five people to tune in. <laughs> okay. All right, Ken. Listen, thank you so much. You did a great job, and we'll talk again next week, and I'm sure we'll compare notes during next week about college basketball. Yeah, Monday will be interesting to see what goes on, not only from a perspective of what happens in Indianapolis, but also from a perspective of what goes forward with the teams and what they're going to be doing post-Thanksgiving. But good to talk to you, James. Have a great week, my friend. Great. Thank you so much, Kenny. All right, that's Kenny right, from Rye, our number one caller. We appreciate uh, that he was our special guest today, and together – both of us did some research on the Atlantic 10 Conference. We hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we both found it interesting as well. All right, so uh, we're going to come up to a commercial break soon, um, and then we'll take a short commercial break. The phone lines are open, so if you want to call, the phone line is 914-636-0110, 914-636-0110. Uh, we're bumping up against a commercial break, I think, so... Let's hold any caller. Just if you're holding, please hold. We'll do a commercial break. We'll come back and we'll do all calls for the last uh, 14 minutes or so, so of the show. I'm Jim Maysano. This is College Hoops Chat. I thank you so much for tuning in. Stay with us over the break. We're going to do phone calls for the rest of the show. Thank you so much, folks. We'll be right back. Chester, and now all over the world. 1460 All right, folks, we're back. It's Jim Maysano on College Hoops Chat here on WVOX 1460 AM. Happy to tell you we have two callers. Let's get to those phone lines. Good evening. Hey, Jim, it's Peter from Bedford. I just had a, a question and a, just a couple of comments. Um, you sure. talked about Dayton. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sure. Great, Peter. Um, you know, they're all American last year. Obi Topin, or Obi Topin, I've always mispronounced his name. If I recall, I think he played one year at Ossining High School, so he did spend some time in right, um, right. Westchester County. I had read that as well. Good, good point. Thank you. You know, and, and then also, if... You know, you were talking about the A-10 and, you know, success breeds success. If you look at Dayton's class, recruiting class for the 2021 season, I mean, they did they did have a top 40 kid commit there. You know, he had multiple offers, and you just don't see that um, too often with, 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 with A-10-type schools, you know, recruiting against the Power 5, Power 6 schools. But they had a, 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 another forward who, who um, I think he's ranked in the top 30 or 40 in, in, in the country. 
And um, to just your earlier point, the way you guys started the um, show with the NCAA tournament and COVID-19, um, you know, increasing in severity throughout the country, I think the, the key for a successful basketball season has to be flexibility where, um, you know, you may not start the tournament in March. Maybe you start it in April or May, allow science and vaccines maybe to catch up with things, number one. And then n- number two, uh, you know, allow postponed games to be, be played at a later time as well. I just wanted to get your thoughts as that, on well, that. I, listen, you, you made two great points in that sentence. Let me hit them both, okay? Number one, the vaccine. Now we've seen the news over the last week, the vaccine... One company says their vaccine is 90% effective. The other says 95%. And everyone's saying, April, they'll be ready. Seems to me that if the NCAA decides to push the season and the tournament back a little bit into April, we may actually have a tournament at the same time people are getting their shots and the entire country becomes safer from the COVID virus. So I do think they should take their time, try to get as many games as possible in, get these games played. Teams are going to get... Games knocked out because of of the virus and the shutdowns, but we can still play those games if they push the season, uh, at least the tournaments, into late March, into April. Um, and I think that's a really good point, Peter, and I think that's really going to be the solution to have a little bit of a normal basketball season on the college level. Appreciate appreciate your show, Jim. Oh, thank thank you, you for calling. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye now. Bye-bye, Peter. All right, so Peter's becoming a regular caller, too, and we thank him very much. Uh, we have another caller. Let's go to the phone line. Good evening. Hey, Jim. It's John from Croton. How are you? Hi, right, folks. So you should know that John from Croton works with me, and he calls the show on my Westchester Consumer Report every show. So excited to have him join me on my other radio show tonight uh, on Kyle Troops Chat. Thank you for calling, John. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I just wanted to um, add an 810 comment. Uh, I think the conversation has been great. Previous caller nailed it a couple of things. You have uh, Rhode Island in the A-10. They were successful the last couple of years, and their recruiting might still hang a year or so, but you had Coach Hurley leave. So, um, you know, that could affect uh, where some of those teams end up this year. No question. They have a big-time player. I, when I was doing my research, John, uh, if you're watching a Rhode Island Rams game, check out Fats Russell, terrific ball player. Yeah, they um, have had some success, and they went – you know, they did well last year. Uh, as I said, Coach Hurley left, and he's moved on to UConn, which is probably bad news for the other uh, Big East teams. But, uh, yeah, they had some success there, and so there were some good players. John was so happy to tell you that because his daughter went to UConn. Absolutely. i got to get a plug <laughs> in there for the, for the Huskies. Absolutely. U- UConn's going to be <laughs> tough. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be tough in the um, Big East. Yeah. Yeah, and the other Huskies up there is Northeastern. Uh, they're, they're where the Huskies before UConn was, but... I'll never admit that to uh, Northeast. I don't admit that. You hold your ground there, John. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jim, I just wanted to mention, and maybe it's a topic for a future show because you're getting near the end of the show, is, um, and COVID kind of put all of this on the back burner, but there was a lot of momentum of, and talk about paying players or stipend for players, whether it was basketball, football, baseball. But um, recently, I know you and I had discussed to Coach Thompson, who passed uh, back in August, was a proponent of that, and his autobiography is actually coming out, I think, in December sometime. And in it, he talks about how, you know, you've I've got these kids, and some of them are going to stay a while, some of them aren't, some are going to go in a year or so, but the majority of them are not going to go on to play basketball. So what are we going to do to encourage them to stay in school? They're not going to play in the pros, but we need them to complete their education. So 
is there something out there? And maybe in a future show we could talk about that. Well, yeah, well, there's no question that uh, the, the NCAA is at least moving forward with the likeliness. You know, if, they, if they're putting their names and numbers on jerseys, they can set up a fund so the students get the money when they graduate. I am, of course, fine with that. That's a change. It has to happen. If they're making money off these students' names and images, the, the students should see some of that money. So that's already going to happen. But the question of paying players is a fair question. For most of my life, I think all of my life, it's about a year ago, I was opposed to that. I believed in amateurism in college sports, and I believed uh, that uh, at the end of the day, they were getting some at some schools a quarter of a million dollar education. So it wasn't like the students' uh, athletes weren't getting anything. They were getting a top-flight education from great schools across America. The only thing, though, is I think the NCAA and the colleges lost a little of their standing in the last year where they have the kids, the athletes staying on the campus, uh, and they're right. the only ones at the right. campus while they send everybody else home. Uh, they're kind of treating them like they're professional athletes to some degree, that they're different than the other students. Uh, I do think that takes this debate to a different level. Yeah, for sure. I know uh, you mentioned earlier my daughter was a student at UConn. Uh, she said they were in their own little bubble on the bubble of the campus. Uh, dining halls, where they lived, those types of things, they were together a lot all the time. So they were treated differently than the average student. I'm, well, I'm open to a stipend for college athletes for sure. I have to see all the specifics and think it through. Uh, the only thing, though, I would say is one thing I would hope the stipend can do is maybe take some of the corruption out of college basketball. These kids wouldn't be taking money under the table uh, if they were able to get some kind of stipend. I don't know if I'm being... Uh, too naive about that, but I wonder if that could help stop some of the dirty uh, violations in college basketball. Yeah, I think, you know, there were stories during, uh, in the past about uh, some of the players in the final tournaments, in the final rounds of the tournaments, uh, only eating two meals a day instead of three, all those types of things. But I think if you can eliminate some of the booster temptation and some of the AAU temptation and all those types of things, you know, that'll only help the game. I agree. John, we have another caller, but let's talk about this more. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it, uh, I was doing a little research, and they remember, um, just to get back to paying the players, that the football team at Northwestern tried to unionize. I remember that. They did a study that. and found out that they spend more time, um, you know, doing, uh, doing the sports and doing school. So, you know, there's some arguments out there for it, but... You know, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. No, listen, I think it was a great subject. I think we'll talk about more. Um, and it's complex, John. This is not an easy one, that's for sure. Sure, for sure. All right, thanks so much. Thanks, Jim. All right, good. That's John from Croton. Uh, we appreciate his call. Um, and I think we might have lost our call. Is that true, Chuck? All right, so we, if anybody wants to do a quick call, 914-636-0110. A couple of minutes left. Uh, again, I'm Jim Maysano. This is College Hoop Chat. Uh, I really, really appreciate all the callers tonight. The show was excellent. I enjoyed being part of it. Uh, we talked about a very interesting conference, Atlantic 10. We talked about the NCAA deciding to have the entire NCAA tournament in the area of Indianapolis. Uh, more is going to be coming out about that in the weeks to come. Uh, you know, college basketball right now is kind of a giant question mark. I, I, I think it's going to happen. I believe games are going to be played. I think we'll get to the NCAA tournament. It's just going to be an awfully rocky road because of the coronavirus over the next three or four months. And I don't know how it's going to play out. Maybe some teams have no problem. They get through their schedule and everything's fine. They'll play 25, 26 games and all would be good. 
Uh, maybe that's, a, I don't know what percent. Say it's like a third of the season. But I would guess more than 50% of the teams at some point will have to deal with a shutdown because either a player, a coach, or a staff member uh, gets COVID. And under these this protocol, at least as it's written now, I think it should be modified. But at least as it's written now, if one player gets COVID uh, amongst the players, coaches, and staff, uh, they have to shut down for two weeks. That's going to raise havoc uh, with teams. I mean, if a team, starting next Wednesday when the games start, on November 25th, starting next Wednesday, a week from this Wednesday, nine days, uh, if, a, if a team gets shut down for two weeks, they probably lose four games, all right? Over two weeks, teams usually play two games a week in college basketball. They get shut down because of COVID. They may lose two, uh, uh, four games over two weeks. Uh, and as Peter, who called earlier, said, I think there's going to be some needs to be some flexibility built into all these schedules to get, have a chance to replay those games. So teams can play 20 to 25 games uh, in the regular season so we can properly judge uh, all 357 teams as we're evaluating uh, who gets into the NCAA tournament. So a lot of question marks, as I just said. We'll see. Let's just hope the vaccine gets out. You know, they're saying April with the vaccine. If it starts coming out in February, March, it's going to impact uh, not only the entire planet, but the sport of college basketball. All right, that's the final word. I'm Jim Misano, College Hoops Chat. Check out our website, www.collegehoopschat.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. I'll be back next week. Have a great week.